member-supported KXFM on 104.7. KXFMRadio.org. This disclaimer is a statement notifying listening audiences that any opinions expressed on our shows are not representative of Laguna Radio, Inc., its management, or its board of directors. Hello, this is Craig at KXFM 104.7 Human Crafted Radio. I'm here every Saturday at 9 a.m. with Rainbow Radio, where we discuss the latest news on LGBTQ interests and discuss on this day in history. Every week I have a special guest and we have interviews again. Rainbow Radio, Craig, every Saturday. Craig here, Rainbow Radio, and it's a must be Saturday morning. I'm on the air. I think I got the right day. <laughs> Saturday. It is a, a lovely day in Laguna Beach, the 26th of, uh, let's see, January, February, 26th of March. Boy, we're uh, already through the first, almost through the first quarter of uh, the year 2022. <laughs> Not many days left. And uh, it's a, a lovely, well, coming in today, it was 56 degrees in Laguna Beach, cloudy, overcast, the weather, I mean, some days, that's all you want to know. Uh, the high is scheduled, as they say in the UK, scheduled for 64 degrees, a mix of clouds and sun, high 64, winds southwest, 5 to 10 miles an hour, and humidity at 78, so we'll keep our youthful appearance all day long and be highly humidified. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, sunrise is at 646, which we've already experienced, I, unless you slept in. I didn't. I was up at 630. And sunset, uh, 7.07 p.m. The days are getting longer. And we actually are in spring, if you missed it. That was last weekend, I think, was the, the first of spring. And no longer will we change the time. So this is it forever and ever. <laughs> A lot has been going on this week in in uh, world politics, and uh, a lot has been going on in religion. Uh, I have to, I have to say, in world religion, and I bring that up because that's kind of be a bit of a topic. I know it's a scary thing to step into, as they say in any dinner conversation. Never talk about politics or religion. I'm, I'm stepping into both of them here because, after all, they did put the disclaimer at the start of the show. 
and I'm, I'm been alerted. I can have some opinions here. I, not that necessarily one has to agree with them. <laughs> and sometimes people don't, but yeah, mm -hmm. I'm not, I, but what do I know? I don't know a lot. I just do, uh, I, I do my best. Let's just leave it at that. So Yes, uh, Saturday market is today, so I hope you're up there stocking up on uh, provisions for a fabulous uh, dinner this evening. And it, and I, uh, if you sent the memo out, I didn't get it where the dinner was going. No, <laughs> going to be held. Uh, what else is going on? Um, coming up, uh, April 23rd, Laguna Beach uh, Pride is having a fundraiser at uh, Bridge Hall, which is. Uh, is uh, the here in Laguna Beach? Uh, it's um, a charity, but it's uh, we have music. We have Greg Lyon Trio will be there. There'll be six pairings of wine and a paella, light bites of paella and food, and it's going to go on all evening for four hours on Saturday. So tickets are uh, limited because they want the experience to be exceptional, and to do that. You can't have throngs of people running around and have it be a crazy time. So uh, to provide the proper service, proper etiquette, and all that good stuff, it is limited to, I think, 150 people. So tickets are still available, and uh, but they are selling pretty good pace at this point, three weeks out. So uh, they'll be gobbled up pretty soon. So if you're interested, and in, it is uh, the place to be. <laughs> That's on the 23rd of next month, which isn't too far away, about three and a half weeks, I think, three weeks and a few days. And then the beach bonfire is coming up. And I'd like to thank our sponsor, Chris Tibbett and Mike Johnson of Compass Realty for sponsoring. And Julie Lawton of Build Design has been a big sponsor for Lacuna Pride. And we appreciate her as well as she has been for well, for the Chamber Golf Tournament that's coming up, which I should mention, the Chamber of Commerce, which everyone is a member of, and also she's been supported the radio station in so many ways. So shout out to Julie and all her hard work and all that she does for the community. Um, she's also very much involved with the Chamber of Commerce, and we appreciate her dearly. So that's that's my shout out. My first shout out. I do have a couple more shout outs coming up here this this morning i'll get one out of the way right away my cousin my cousin my nephew neil called me out of the blue the other day i was shocked as heck and uh him and becky are listening uh so i want to shout out to neil and becky for uh their support now see i do have some some listeners out there all over uh, native californians they are and um yeah so <laughs> shout out to neil thank you for Thank you for your phone call and update. It's family, and we love family. You know, yeah, family uh, is terribly important, uh, especially as I view what's going on in Ukraine and realize how important family is. And and when you most need them most, they are there for you. So I send out a message of love and caring and thoughts to my nephew, Neil, and his friend, Becky and wish them the best. So hang in there. Uh, there's more to come. <laughs> so I uh, will leap right off here and um, start with on this week in history. Yes, <laughs> which I love to do. But I, you know, before I go get too far into this, I want to say that um, 
I, I, I touched on religion. I don't want to leave you hanging in that, in that, on that topic, because I, there's a few things I'm not going to, I'm not going to belabor the whole thing in the, in the show this morning. I just want to say that there, as with everything, there are good politicians and there are politicians that let's just say are less than good. And I won't say, I won't specify <laughs> anything more than that. It just happens. It's the way it is, you know? Uh, same, you could be safer. There's, uh, there's good cooks and cooks that are not so spectacular. Uh, there's good drivers and there's some drivers that just are not the best drivers. Well, there's good religious leaders. And I think there's some religious leaders that are just not really good at heart. Uh, and it seems whenever there's a issue or a, um, cause they all step forward with various interpretations of what's going on. And, and unfortunately, I feel sometimes religion has a less than admirable uh, interpretation of what's going on. And a case in point in Ukraine, uh, there is a, um, I'm just going to get right to it. If I can find it now that I've, I've started, there is a, uh, individual that is um uh, uh he stepped forward and he's blaming uh, the whole invasion on the lgbtq community uh which is um he wrote a 10,000 word essay on it and he uh and um why why it's happening and um and he blame, and he's blaming the LGBT community, and that it 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 should be, and and so there. But that's not all that's going on in the world. There's um. There's some. Let me see if I can find that now that I open my mouth on it, and now I'm gonna hope. I hope I printed it out. Um. But. It um. It speaks uh, of. It, he, I'll just, I'll just explain what's going. He, what he says is that uh, the support by the Ukrainian president Vladimir, no, no, not Vladimir. <laughs> now I can't think of the Ukrainian president's name. I'm getting so rattled here. I'm so, uh, uh, so obsessed over this. <laughs> um, this bishop was a, a emissary for for the United States. Uh, um, so he's associated with the Catholic Church and uh, the Vatican. And he stepped forward with a 10,000-word essay condemning uh, homo, uh, LGBTQ support by Ukraine and the president of Ukraine and, and, and everyone and supported Putin's uh, intervention in Ukraine because of uh, Ukraine's support of the LGBTQ community. And their support of the LGBT community was what he felt was uh, the um, a major uh, um, flaw in what's going on in that country and why they should be invaded. And I, I, I even said I posted on my Facebook page and said maybe the Pope could step in here. Pope Francis could step in here and say, like he said before, who am I to judge? Who is this? priest to judge who said he could 
draw this judgment uh, because I, I feel that the uh, mantra of, or the, I say, I feel that uh, religion or in the church is about forgiving and loving and caring and and this definitely is not. So you can find uh, all about this on an, on a news organization called Alturi, A-L-T-U-R-I dot org. So I encourage you to go look at that. Anyway, it's it's not nice. Just leave it at that. Okay. All right. On this week in history, let's move along off after that. Cleanse the palate a little bit. On March 26th, that's today in LGBTQ history. In 1973, gay playwright Noel Coward dies in Jamaica at the age of 73. Ooh, that 73 is awfully close to some someone else I know. In 1975, after the local district attorney's office rules that there is no county laws preventing two people of the same sex from getting married, Boulder, Colorado County Clerk, uh, Celia Rorix issues a marriage license to two gay men. It is the first same-sex marriage license issued in the United States. She says in a statement, I don't profess to be knowledgeable about homosexuality or even understand it, but it is not my business why people get married. No minority should be discriminated against. In 1985, a 4-4 to tie vote in the U.S. Supreme Court effectively overturns an Oklahoma law that would have banned homosexuals or those defending or promoting the homosexual lifestyle from teaching in the state's public schools. So that's a victory. In 1990, Common Thread Stories from the Quilt wins an Academy Award for Best Feature-Length Documentary. If you haven't seen it, oh my goodness. Oh. <sighs> have a good shot of something before you do. And have the tissues nearby, yes. It is the second Oscar for a gay filmmaker, Rob Epstein, who received the first one uh, six years previously for The Times of Harvey Milk. Yes, there's lots to celebrate there. And on March 27th in LGBTQ history, sorry, Neil, there's a lot of content about LGBTQ things, so... No surprise here, okay? In 1977, on the face of the nation, White House Press Secretary Jody Powell defends charges that the Carter administration panders to gay activists for saying, for an organized group who feel they have a grievance that they are not treated fairly, for them to have the right to put that grievance before high officials and to say, we want redress, that, to me, is what the essence of America is all about. What I feel about gay rights or other group doesn't have a thing to do, a thing in the world to do with it. In other words, it's the right thing to do. It's not what I feel about it, which is, that's great. Jody Powell. Good on you, Jody Powell. That was 1977. That's pretty progressive in 1977. And the Carter administration, and, and it's amazing. In 1928, in LG, or in March 28th, in, in LG, blah, 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 LGBTQ history, in 1969, Society for Individual Rights presented Leo Lawrence and his lover <gasps> are featured in a photo illustrated article. Oof, my God, in the Berkeley Barb. I remember the Berkeley Barb. Boy, what a controversial paper that was. <laughs> 
wonder if it's still around. Calling for the homosexual revolution in 1969. Lawrence uh, exhorts gay men and lesbians to join the Black Panthers and other left-wing groups and to come out in mass. 1969. In 1990, with the opening of the Robert uh, Maplethorpe exhibit less than two weeks away, law enforcement officials in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, warn local contemporary art center to cancel the exhibit or to risk prosecution under the city's stringent anti-obscenity laws. These photographs are just not welcome in this community, says the local chief of police. The people of this community do not cater to what other depicts others depict as art. After the exhibit finally opens, a Cincinnati grand jury indicts the, car, the center's director, Dennis Berry, on charges of obscenity and pandering. Now, see, I would, I hate, I hate this. They just give you this, the, <laughs> you buy into the story, but I, I should do some more research. What happened? <laughs> Did the director go to jail? Did he? Uh, anyway, in 2002, I'm going to, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to find out and, and report back to you. In 2002 in Mississippi, uh, George County Times published a letter from George County Justice Court Judge Connie Wilkerson, which read in part, in my opinion, gays and lesbians should be put in some type of mental institution. Lovely, Connie. Because of the bias expressed in such a statement, an ethics violation complaint was filed against Connie, Connie Wilkerson. Well, rightfully so. That was 2002. Oh, my goodness. Moving right along to March 29th. We're going to have to cleanse the palate here with some good, relaxing music. <laughs> Something uplifting. March 29th in... Uh, LGBTQ history in 1976, a vote by six to three in the U.S. Supreme Court upholds the constitutionality of Virginia's sodomy laws. And what did they say? We don't know. In 1985, the Los Angeles Times comes out in favor of gay rights mm -hmm, and urges the U.S. Supreme Court to take a stand on more gay-related issues. Mm, yes, in 85. Well, apparently they have. In 1988, Georgetown University, the nation's oldest Roman Catholic university, loses an eight-year battle to keep from having to provide facilities and financial support to the campus's gay student groups. Well, that was a, a firm step forward for equality. In 1989, the Academy Awards produced this year, by gay producer Alan Carr, showcases the now infamous rendition of Proud Mary, sung by Rob Lowe and an actress dressed as a Disney version of Snow White. Says Carr, before the ceremony, it really is my childhood dream to produce the Oscars. I'm a child of the movies. In 1990, delivering the first speech on AIDS since he took office 14 months earlier, President Bush is heckled by National Gay and Lesbian Task Force Director... Uvash Vade, who hollers, we need your leadership. We need more than one speech every 14 months. Vad held a sign reading, talk is cheap, AIDS funding is not, and quickly is escorted from the auditorium by the police. I remember that they were afraid to talk about it. I believe Reagan never mentioned it. Um, well, it was mentioned once, I have to say, I think, with Nancy's encouragement. 
1985, on, on March 30th in 1985, a letter to the ultra-conservative American Coalition for Family Values, former Los Angeles Police Chief and State Assembly member Ed Davis responds against anti-gay politicians and pressure from the group that he takes a public pledge refusing donations and endorsements from gay political groups. I close this letter, he says, by asking you to take a few moments to read two short documents <clears throat> with which you may not be familiar. The Declaration of Independence and the Bill of Rights. In 1970, Davis has been seen as one of the gay movement's primary political enemies and used his position as police chief to malign and harass gay men and lesbians. In 1985, you know... Chief of police has a responsibility not to have a political uh, influence at all. I think, but that's just me. And moving along to March 31st in 1979, the Navy begins a 13-week run in the nation's top 40. Oh, excuse me, in the Navy, the song. In the Navy, <laughs> the village people, right. Uh, the U.S. Navy briefly considers using the song in its recruitment theme until the full implications of the lyrics are explained. <gasps> oh, my. <laughs> yeah, I know. And even Donald Trump recently <laughs> was confused about that. 1981, in an article in The Globe, the First Lady Nancy Reagan says, women's liberation and gay liberation are part of the same thing. Nancy, really? A weakening of the moral standards of this nation. Oh, women's liberation is a weakening of the moral standards of this nation. Really, Nancy, where did you get that one? It is appalling to see parades in San Francisco Cisco and elsewhere pro proclaiming gay pride and all that. Hmm. What the world do they have to be proud of? Yeah, Nancy, what are they proud of? Uh, Moving along to April Fool's Day. April, LGBTQ history. That reminds me, there's a potluck <laughs> coming up on April Fool's Day. And I, I'm really shifting gears here. I, me I meant to mention it at the top of the hour, a potluck. There is an organization called Club Q, and it is part of the uh, community center here in Laguna Beach, uh, which is for uh, LGBTQ seniors, and it's Club Q. And, uh, like I said, it's part of the senior center here on 3rd in uh, the community center. And uh, because of COVID, it's been on a hiatus for almost well, two plus years. I haven't been in person. They've been, we've done some Zoom things and tried to keep it together as best we could. So April Fool's Day, it's no fool. It's the real thing. We're having a get together to bring everyone back to get again, once again, to, you know, share the love and talk and find out what's the heck's been going on for the last two years in everyone's world, because it's been a sad situation where people, uh, particularly older people in the community have, uh, you know, resorted to being alone and in their own space for to be safe, which is a good thing to do, but now it's a time to be social. And so what better way to express your care and uh, your 
feelings and get together with a little potluck. I mean, how crazy is that? But a very American thing to do, potluck. So that's at two o'clock on uh, at the center uh, in Laguna Beach at the Suzy Q. Uh, and it's uh, potluck. Bring a, bring something to eat and share. And uh, anyone from eighteen to to the moon is can can join in the potluck. Uh, it's nice if you can RSVP and there is a clubqlaguna.org is the website to RSVP club Q Laguna all run together. And so, yeah, and it's at the Susie Q and, or just show up two o'clock April fool's day and it's no fool. It's the, it's a genuine thing. Now back to the news, April 1st, uh, on, on this week in history, in 1970, the advocate estimates that there are approximately 6,817 gay men and lesbians living in the United States. Now, 1970, they're saying we had about 8 to 10%. And recently, recently, studies have shown that that's not correct. It's more like 18%. Okay, it's almost double. So if we take that, let's do the math here. And it says uh, 6 million. We could probably double that to 12 million. Uh, so from 1970. And, and, and of course, the rationale also goes that, oh, they're recruiting. Yes, they must be successful. No, no, no one's recruiting. <laughs> I think that uh, attitudes have changed and people will feel more confident and safe. Uh, in themselves and uh, their world to uh, be more candid and honest. And that's a good thing, I think. So there's more people out there that are candid and honest, and uh, the numbers reflect that. That's my interpretation. And anyone I seem to have talked to feels the same. You know, uh, I'm open to comment on that. And as anyone can, can send me a message I'd like to hear. But anyway, so that's what I'm feeling. And so let's say, let's say now it's instead of 6,800,000, let's just round it up to 12 million gay men and lesbians are living in the United States. Okay, 19, that was 1970. 1971, French leftist newspaper Tout, edited by Jean-Paul Sartre, or Tre, T-R-E, calls for a complete sexual liberation in France, including the right of individuals to be freely and openly homosexual. My goodness. <laughs> uh, French police begin massive seizures of the publication on the grounds that it is an outrage to public morals. <sighs> I didn't know we were such an outrage. Why do people get so excited about it? Why does it really matter so much, you know? Uh, I don't know. 1972, Delaware decriminalizes consensual homosexual acts between adults. Mm, that's good. 72. In 1981, Ebony Magazine runs a feature article by Howard University's Dr. June Dobbs. Butts. That's the last name. June Dobb Butts. Which asks the question, is homosexuality a threat to the black family? Uh, concluding that it is not. Moreover, the article seeks to dispel the myth that whites somehow introduced homosexuality into the black community to weaken and destroy it. 
boy, was that, that is a whole long paragraph of BS. I'm sorry. That is our construed BS about homosexuals. Okay. Yeah. Well, it was perpetrated upon the black people. Uh, no, as a, and it is a threat to the black family. No, and no, it's, it's just a part of nature. You know, I, I read an article in, uh, Alturi, uh, yesterday that two, two gay guys have adopted a gay dog that was turned into a, uh, <laughs> was abandoned because it was gay <laughs> and it got into a shelter a uh, pet shelter, and they adopted it because, well, it made sense. <laughs> I can't, why would people abandon a dog because it had homosexual tendencies? I mean, I don't get it. <laughs> and I mean, in there, you have to explain, did, did someone recruit the dog? Did someone teach it these things? I mean, really? <laughs> There's a prime example of nature and it's honest, taking its honest course. <laughs> Oh, but I digress. <laughs> anyway, let's 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 move along here. In 1985, Harvey Milk School, uh, a city-funded high school for the LGBT teenagers in New York, begins classes in Greenwich Village Church with an initial enrollment of 20 students. 85. Um, in 1985, Governor Tony Anaya of New Mexico issues an executive order banning public sector sexual orientation discrimination. Whoa, that's pretty progressive. In 1998, Coretta Scott King, widow of civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr., calls on the civil rights community to join the struggle against homophobia. She receives criticism from members of the black civil rights movement for comparing civil rights to gay rights. Uh, why would you, uh, hmm, uh. 2001 in the Netherlands legislation allowing same-sex marriages goes into effect, making it the first country to extend full marriage rights to same-sex couples. Wow. The Netherlands, the whole country, 2001. So this is 22, that's 21 years ago. So, yeah, <laughs> and there you have it, folks. That's the, uh, on this day, this week in history in its entirety for, for this last week. Yeah, so now let's cleanse the palate. I, I was going to get on a kick here of um, music that is um, what's old is new again because they've some people have taken some interesting songs that were, uh, very popular in the past and remix them and, uh, and make them acoustically more interesting. I suppose some people think they're an abomination and some people think they're new and cool. I'd like to think they're new and cool. And this next song is an older Bruce Springsteen song that has uh, been re-edited and made new again, I think. So I, I find it interesting and um, I, I hope you enjoy it. I 
Okay, obviously that wasn't the boss. <laughs> it was a test to see if you were paying attention. Uh, boy, George is quite a stretch from the boss. I apologize for that. I uh, <clears throat> I had him out of sequence. So l let's listen to the boss this time. How about that? And, and uh, you know, um, uh, that, again, wake up. <laughs> this is, uh, here we go. much better yes dancing and i th i think they did that song justice um 
is a remake. Some of the remakes are kind of cheesy, but the whole acoustic, that's really good. Dancing, I'll try and uh, dig up a couple more that are coming out lately. Um, and they do them in some, they make them their own, it's, but yet they're familiar. So, you know, uh, I had an interesting article I, f- I found yesterday, and I, I want to share it with everyone, is uh, hopefully everyone out there listening remembers a uh, county clerk called Kim Davis. And it was about, I don't know, I guess it was, it was in 2015, uh, two gay guys uh, in Kentucky went to the county clerk and uh, wanted to get a marriage license. And they just kind of thought it would be fun to document it. They, I don't think they expected anything. But the county clerk named Kim Davis refused because it was against her personal uh, convictions. Uh, she didn't feel it was appropriate. Uh, and so it became uh, quite a national issue of, of her and all these people, ultra conservative groups got behind her and said she shouldn't have to issue it. And then people said, well, she's, um, it, it's, she's not there to, um, you know, advocate her personal beliefs. She's there as a uh, employee of the county and works for the people. So she has to perform her duties as assigned as a person for the people. And so it went back and forth and it became uh, quite a controversial subject. So, so that was 2015 and this is 2022. So that's five, seven years ago. So this month on the 19th, it was, um, came to a head. I mean, it only took seven years. And, and I'm thinking, but you know, it doesn't make any news at this point, but I do have it. I do have the details of it. A federal judge has ruled that former Kentucky clerk violated the constitutional rights of two same-sex couples after she wouldn't issue them a marriage license, marriage licenses, a refusal that sparked international attention and briefly landed her in jail in 2015. The U S district judged, David Banning or Bunning issued the ruling on Friday in two long-standing lawsuits involving Kim Davis, the former clerk of Rowan County, and the two same-sex couples. The jury trial will still need to decide on any damages. Uh, Bunning reasoned that Davis cannot use her own constitutional rights as a shield to violate the constitutional rights of others while performing her duties as an elected official. Yay. <laughs> It is readily apparent that Obergefell recognized plaintiff's 14th Amendment right to marry, the judge wrote, referencing the landmark uh, same-sex marriage Obergefell and Hodges' decision from 2015. It is also readily apparent that Davis made a con- conscientious decision to violate the plaintiff's rights. Soon after the Supreme Court decision in which the same-sex couples won the right to marry, Davis, a Christian who has a religious objection to same-sex marriage, stopped issuing all marriage licenses. A judge ordered Davis to issue the licenses. She was sued by gay and straight couples and spent five years in jail over her refusal. Oh, five days, excuse me. Big difference there. Five days. She was released only after uh, staff issued licenses on her behalf, but removed her name from the form. The Kentucky legislature later uh, enacted a law removing the names of all clerks from state marriage licenses. 
Davis, a Republican, lost her bid for re-election in 2018. Oh. The Democrat, Elwood Caudill Jr., is now the county clerk. Davis argued that a legal doctrine called qualified immunity protected her from being sued or damages by two couples. David Ermold and David Moore and James Yates and Will Smith. The U.S. Supreme Court in October 2020 left in place a decision that allowed the lawsuit to move forward, declining to take the case. Michael Gartland, an attorney for the plaintiffs, told WKYT-TV that they could not be more happy with uh, that they're finally going to get their day in court and they're confident justice will be served. Liberty Council, the law firm that represents Davis, said that the case would return to the Supreme Court. Wow. So, I don't know. I, I, I watched her response. I just, I just felt like there was this, it got so politicized and so out of, it just went crazy, that the whole thing. And, and, and now, seven years later, Seven long years. And now some other good news. I consider that good news. Sorry. Maybe some don't, but I do. <laughs> Governors in Indiana and Utah veto transgender sports bans. How about that? So they're trying to ban ban a transgender, a transgender individuals from participating in sports. How un-American. And the two governors in two states said they're going to uh, veto it, going against the growing trend of transgender sports bans in GOP-led states. The Republican governors of Indiana—these are Republican governors, wow—of Indiana and Utah have vetoed proposed laws in their states. In a letter announcing his veto Monday, Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb, Holbomb, H-O-L-B-O-M-B, said the legislation would which would have prohibited transgender female athletes from participating in girls' sports, falls short. Now they're saying Holcomb said it was unclear if uh, the procedures outlined the bill would be applied consistently in schools across Indiana. Other states have enacted similar bans uh, were facing lawsuits that in some cases stopped the bans from being enforced. He said, he said, Holcomb uh, added that he was unconvinced by supporters' arguments that there was an existing problem in the in kindergarten through 12 sports in Indiana that requires the government to get involved and that there's a lack of fairness in female sports. After thorough review, I find no evidence to support their claim, even if I support the overall goals, Oakham wrote. So that's cool. And what other news do we have? <laughs> it's all very negative. I hate... I, you know, it's sad. Well, now these this the Cameroon. Let's go to Cameroon. Let's go international now. We after all, you know, I, I do get I do get around the globe with my message. <laughs> and we only have a few minutes left in the program. But um this was this was crazy. Uh Cameroon um freed after 18 months, gay men say thank you to their supporters. And you ask, what were they freed from? Generous donors have brought about the early release of nine Cameroonian prisoners who were convicted of homosexuality. Convicted of homosexuality? (laughs) 
See, there you go. Okay. Now we understand, really. <laughs> Two more are scheduled to release, be released this month. This is the story of the eight and ninth prisoners to win early release through Project Not Alone. Uh, this article is by Courtney of Stans. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Courtney Stans. Boy. Uh, okay. It started with love at first sight. Alan was an accountant. This interesting story. And Nick was a secretary in the same company. Soon they became a couple and moved in together. Mm. They got the U-Haul and they did it. They lived together discreetly, hiding their relationship from their colleagues. We lived happily, but hidden, Alan recalled. Our work was appreciated by our boss until the day he caught us in a cafe. <gasps> we had gone out on a Saturday night for a walk. We decided to have a drink in a very discreet cafe. We were chatting quietly when our boss entered the bar. What the heck was the boss doing there? That was the beginning of hell. After the boss spotted them in the bar, he did not bully them or fire them. He simply stopped paying them without mentioning what he was doing. Alan and Nick continued to work as normal without suspecting anything. They thought the company must be having financial problems because they received no paychecks. After two months without pay, they realized they were the only ones not getting paid. They went to their bosses to demand an explanation. He threatened them. An argument broke out. The boss called the police, and Nick and Alan were arrested and held in police custody. The police began to investigate their private lives. When they asked Alan and Nick if they had children and why neither of them had gotten married, the investigation concluded that Alan and Nick were a homosexual couple. On October 17th, 19th, uh, 2020, they were charged with violating Cameroonian law against same-sex intimacy, section 347-1 of the Penal Code. They were thrown into prison and essentially forgotten without trial for nearly a year. They were held at the uh, central prison, prison place where inmates must survive a filthy, overcrowded conditions with no one often poorly prepared with only one poorly prepared meal a day, Nick later recalled. Life in prison is a nightmare for people who have been convicted of homosexuality. They are twice as despised as, they, as the worst criminals. They have to live in hiding and suffer horrors, uh, not only from the prisoners, but from the prison guards. Sometimes their meals are stolen. They're often subjected to ill treatment. As of last spring, Alan and Nick were two of the 11 LGBTQ prisoners held there, all of them charged or convicted with nothing more than violating Section 347-1. To help those 11 prisoners, the news site and its financial sponsor, St. Paul's Foundation for International Reconciliation, a gay-friendly legal aid organization, Defenders Without Borders, launched Project Not Alone. Through the project, donors uh, provided funds for food and hygiene supplies for the prisoners, delivered by activist Steve Winters, and the money to pay their fines. The project also provided legal representation for Alan and Nick and other detainees who have not yet gone to trial. Readers' donations covered legal expenses such as filing fees while lawyers worked pro bono. Thanks to the new lawyer, 
Alan and Nick were released on bail briefly, and then they were quickly quickly brought to trial, and they were convicted of violating Section 347-1 and sentenced to 18 months in prison. But the magistrate ruled that the time they had already spent in prison would count against their sentence. Alan and Nick were both ordered to pay a fine and court costs a total of 212,100 CFA francs, about $356, and about uh, for Nick and 359 for Alan. Neither of them had money to pay the fine, so their sentence was extended to 24 more months in order to work off their debt. Readers donated uh, more money to cover their fine, so they only had to serve time until February of 2020. Uh, on February 10th, around 2 p.m., they walked out the doors of the central prison. And with the release, nine of, uh, of the 11 prisoners have been set free, remaining two prisoners scheduled for release this month. Alan, uh, Alan and Nick uh, don't know what will happen next. They can't stay in the city. Many of our friends here are willing to help us out. Probably we will uh, open a food stall on the street because it's, this is so expensive. The experience is going to jail and claiming our salary. We're not sure we'll be able to work for anyone again. You know, it's um, still punishable by prison or death for being who you are. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to get in a in a bad space again. So uh, this next song is You Get What You Give. And I'm out of here because Ada May's here, and I've only given her three minutes to get set up and start her program. Sorry about that. Uh, come back again. I, one more last sh shout-out to Neil and Becky for tuning in today and everyone out there listening. Craig on Rainbow Radio, KXFM 104.7. Be sure to tune in next week. Uh, hopefully I'll have a guest from Rainbow Railroad. How about that? <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Uh, my, my love to Mario and everyone out there. Bye-bye. Music in you. One dance left, this world is gonna pull through.